0: This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by CellPoint Mobile, whose voyage booking solution enables airlines to increase direct channel revenues and conversions. Visit www.sellpointmobile.com/voyage-aw to learn more. That's www.sellpointmobile.com/voyage-aw.
1: Be warned, this episode is going to come with some turbulence. Generally, the airline industry is having a good year, but we're going to talk about a few trouble spots around the globe. But first, Seth, how good of a year has it been? Well, in our
0: last issue, we ran a list of uh, 39 airlines that had reported
1: their first half earnings, and of them, uh, 35 were profitable for the first half. So that suggests even more that carriers like Cathay Pacific and Singapore Airlines should be doing better than they are, which, as we'll discuss, isn't all that great. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly, and joining me is the data-driven Seth Kaplan, (laughs) Managing Partner of Airline Weekly, Besides Cathay in Singapore, we'll talk about Turkey's crashing lira, Ethiopian's ambitions, Iceland Air's cold comfort, and JetBlue's decision to increase bag fees. It's all coming up in the Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. Before we start with Cathay Pacific, I want to just throw out one question about airlines in Asia. If I were choosing to put an airline somewhere 10 years ago, Asia might have seemed like a good choice. All things being equal, why not take advantage of the broadest, fastest economic renaissance the world has ever seen? And in the 10 years since, the economic growth hasn't disappointed. But for a lot of these carriers, the profits aren't there. Cathay is one for sure. Singapore Airlines has struggled in recent years. Korean Air has done merely okay. Ajiana has been a laggard. Garuda has struggled. Obviously, Thai has had some local problems. I guess my question is, looking at the Asian economies, you'd think these established carriers would have been well positioned to be roaring along, but they're not.
0: Yeah, because it turns out that demand uh, isn't the... Entire equation isn't it? Just you know, supply and demand, right? And uh, uh, and look around the world, you can see other examples of that. E- even sort of within economies, think about the U.S. right now, for example, where you know the Pacific Northwest is as strong of a regional economy as you know you can find in, in that country, or you know, pretty much. Uh, uh, throughout most parts of the world. And yet the airline with the most exposure there, Alaska Airlines, is is uncharacteristically struggling. Another example of that, right? Great demand because the uh, conditions, but guess what? The secret's out. And of course, everybody else is flocking there. So in a much broader sense, that's exactly what's happened in Asia. Yeah, uh, all the economic growth that you mentioned, but also a lot of new seats there from some of those incumbent airlines themselves, as well as upstart airlines that in some cases didn't exist 10 years ago, and airlines from elsewhere around the world. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, strong demand, but a, even stronger supply, explaining uh, a large part of why these airlines are under uh, pressure. So that's kind of the revenue side of things. And then, of course, we know what's happened to fuel costs here uh, it, in recent years, Add it all up. And uh, these airlines are not enjoying uh, the, the demand party as much as you might have
1: expected. Things are not without hope at Cathay Pacific. In fact, there is a lot of good. Revenues overall surged 16% in the first half of 2018, and passenger revenues surged 10%. Cargo is going well. Fuel costs were well-contained, yet profits remain elusive, just a 1% operating profit margin in the first half.
0: Yeah, that was at least a, a nice improvement from negative 4% in the same half a year earlier. So unlike a lot of airlines around the world, Cathay is at least moving in, in the right direction, very much so, but we'll say it again, 1% operating margin for the half. That, of course, uh, doesn't compare favorably so uh different from if you think of some of the, the the high flyers that have uh that have fallen significantly but are still in kind of okay shape here's an airline in in, in the opposite situation uh yeah you know we're, we're talking about an airline that uh, those results by the way you know for for the half positive one percent operating margin i mean that was worse than air france klM Right and and uh, you know think of what happened there all the strikes and so forth uh, and, and we, we talked about them in rather negative terms um, so uh, so really the only thing to celebrate at uh, Cathay the only broad based thing anyway to celebrate at Cathay is uh, the improvement um, Cathay by the way benefited from benign impact uh, in terms of fuel costs largely because they had some some nasty wrong way hedges a year earlier so that explains a lot of it right a year earlier when fuel was cheaper uh, they were you know paying more than they might have expected to because uh, of those wrong way hedges uh, this year as those uh, you know wore off and in fact as they have hedges that in many cases are in the money, uh you know they didn't suffer the the kinds of increases that other airlines suffered their uh, fuel costs were up uh, just 7% rather than the 32% that you would have expected without uh any of that hedge impact in in either year uh labor costs were up just 1% um you know so so not really uh a cost crisis there um, but yeah, this is, this is an airline that's that's dealing with what we just described before, just all that supply. And Cathay is an airline that um, depends a lot on connecting traffic, uh, and that's you know that's somewhat dangerous at a time when there are all these new nonstop links. Right, every, every time that you uh, you know read about a, a mainland Chinese carrier launching a nonstop. Uh, to Australia, New Zealand, you know, in some cases to North America, uh, you know, the people flying on those on that flight are people who, in the past, might have chosen to fly Cathay. You know, Cathay is having to rely more on local traffic. You know, in other words, more on uh, uh, people beginning or ending. Uh, their trips in Hong Kong. That's a big change for an airline that was uh, once one of the world's sixth freedom superstars, right? Six freedom traffic the those people connecting between two other countries.
1: You compared them to Air France. And I think we've asked the same question about Air France. If they aren't making serious money now, when are they going to make serious money?
0: Yeah, and it, it's a fair question. Um, look, there are other storm clouds even on the horizon, right? I mean, you know, think about all of the the issues with global trade right now, um, protectionism. You know, this is an airline that depends on open economies. You know, on the other hand, there's one. Potential crisis that might be good for Cathay, uh, the HNA Group, that big conglomerate in, in mainland China. You know, Hainan Airlines is is its its uh, its biggest airline, but um, Hong Kong Airlines and, and H K Express, right there in Hong Kong. If something dramatic were to happen there, uh, you know, dramatic. I mean, you know, those airlines. I mean. Uh, in an extreme stops flying, there's no uh, sign of that. But, you know, if they had to shrink a lot, for example, uh, well, probably no airline would be as well p- uh, positioned to benefit, at least in terms of those Hong Kong based carriers uh, than Cathay. But uh, yeah, again, despite that, that big year over year improvement, that very welcome and necessary year over year improvement uh, in the absolute, we're looking at a, at a really strong global economy and a lot of airlines around the world doing, doing rather well despite the high fuel costs. Uh, and uh, yeah, you wonder what it's going to take for this airline uh, to do better. And on the other hand, you know, how it would be doing if, 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 if uh, those external uh, forces turned even further against it.
1: Rising fuel prices impacted Singapore Airlines more than Cathay. In its second quarter, fuel costs rose 17% on just 5% more ASK capacity. And that led to what looks like a slight year-over-year margin decline, Nonetheless, Singapore posted a 5% operating profit margin in the April through June quarter.
0: Yeah, that's on uh, revenues that rose 4%, but operating costs rising uh, 6%. So, you know, more of the kinds of trends that you would see at at other airlines around the world. Look, it wasn't all... Rising fuel costs, Uh, I mean, uh, there was, you know, 3% decline in passenger yields. Cargo yields, by the way, are up 10%. So that's also a broad trend, right? Cargo is doing well uh, for for, uh, airlines around the world. But Singapore Airlines um, is not a heavily cargo The exposed airline, I mean, it it has its share of cargo exposure, but we're talking 14% of company revenues. So this is not an airline that benefits in the same way that let's say Korean Air, an airline very exposed to cargo benefits uh, when when cargo revenues, cargo yields and revenues spike. You know, the other airline units there, it's got, of course, low-cost units, Scoot and Silk Air, basically break-even airlines uh, during the period. Silk Air is going to go away as an independent brand and become uh, part of, uh, of of mainline Singapore Airlines. They're in the middle of a three-year transformation plan. Um, they're, they're investing a lot in the technology. They're densifying their A380s. They're, they're relaunching Non-stop service to the u.s you know san francisco los angeles newark uh you know again be the world's lar- longest flight after what's this now Of i think we're in a decade of a- absence right they uh previously flew newark singapore uh that I, I flew it once 9500 miles way back in uh what was that uh 2000 uh beginning of 2007 uh so that'll be neat to see that coming back um but you know hopefully profitably this time uh, with the benefit of of uh, of twin engine aircraft uh, able able to fly that now new pricing models um yeah, they they are uh, you know unlike cathay in this regard very enthusiastic enthusiastic about joint ventures joint ventures of course have have uh have done a lot of good things for airlines around the world in their case with lufthansa sas virgin australia air new zealand but uh, yeah, they say, too, look, supply conditions are as tough as they've seen them um, uh, between the low-cost carriers in their own neighborhood, Gulf carriers, Chinese carriers. And you know they, too, uh, are exposed to whatever the fallout might be of, of this uh, rising protectionism around the world if it, were, if it were to really impact the global economy beyond the, uh, sort of the whatever minor impacts it might have had so
1: far. There are some green pastures within Asia. Vietjet had a solid Q2. It did. A 52% revenue increase uh, for the quarter.
0: So you think, well, their profits must have spiked, but no, their costs grew 56% again that's kind of in keeping with global trends right most airlines around the world because of fuel costs especially their revenues didn't quite keep pace with their uh with their cost increases and uh yeah, an airline that has 55 planes had 55 planes by the end of that quarter uh and an airline that is growing very rapidly uh huge order book uh you know for the 321 neos and 737 MAX 200s and uh, now some 737 MAX 10s, like AirAsia, like Lion Air, one of these rapidly growing uh, low-cost carriers, Um, with all the benefit that entails in terms of uh, unit costs. In fact, Vietjet says uh, that its unit costs are lower than those of Ryanair, for example, Uh, although not perhaps lower than uh, than Air Asia. Labor costs, of course, in, in Southeast Asia are, are are lower than they are in Europe. Um and so yeah, one of the lowest cost carriers on the planet and one though that is uh that is still like everybody else, suffering uh, from higher fuel prices.
1: One airline that saw some sharp margin deterioration was Cebu Pacific. Cebu posted a fairly good-looking 13% operating margin in the second quarter, but that only looks good if you forget about the 22% margin Cebu posted a year ago. Seth, what happened? Yeah, so this is one of those airlines I was thinking about when we were talking about Cathay, and we said, "Hey, yeah, great
0: improvement there. Uh, you know, one of the more impressive improvements, and yet in the absolute, still not doing all that well." Here is an airline in exactly the uh, the opposite situation: an airline like. Alaska, let's say, that was, you know, one of the most profitable airlines in the world a year earlier. Hawaiian is another. If you're looking at others with sort of similar deteriorations of JetBlue, WestJet, Indigo, and Cebu is right up there with, as you said, uh, nearly a, a double-digit decline. Uh, that came on a at a 23% jump in fuel outlays. And, and that, you know, this is different from Vietjet where, you know, everything was way up. In, in Sabu's case, that 23% in fuel outlays came on a on a 7% decrease in ASK capacity. Uh, yeah, you might re- remember, this is an airline that generally was doing very well, had one big trouble spot, and that was it went out and bought these A330s, it started flying to the, the largely the, the Arabian Gulf, and that did not go well. As, as low-cost long-haul flying often doesn't, um, you know, in this case, it was... Uh, you know, Kuwait, uh, Riyadh, and Saudi Arabia, Doha, uh, not doing any of that anymore. It's it's it's, it's flying those aircraft uh, within East Asia and, and to Australia. So, uh, you know, revenues did manage to rise four percent, but costs rose sixteen percent. Again, driven especially by uh, the spiking fuel costs, but but not only by them, uh, and so. So there you go. That's that's where your uh, where your deterioration came from. I'll say it again: revenues up four percent, costs up sixteen percent. That explains the deterioration. There's an airline that gets to benefit that benefits from competing against a, a a troubled Philippine Airlines, local you know legacy airline. Strongly growing economy, airport constraints, facility uh, constraints there. So it's not like everybody else can just rush in and do whatever they want uh, in, in the key markets there, a place like uh, like Manila. And, and so Cebu. no surprises, up gauge and go to A321 NEOs because you know you can't just add flights. So that's how you add seats is with uh, with larger planes. By the way, they suffer too from closure of Boracay Island in, in the Philippines, a major tourist spot suddenly closed on, on environmental grounds and, and that impacted uh, them too. So, you know, this is an airline, again, they're doing fine. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's the benefit you get of uh, when you put yourself in the position that they were in, you can, you can have things go really wrong and still be a, a solidly profitable airline as Cebu
1: indeed is. All right. It's time to thank our sponsor, CellPoint Mobile, a leading provider of mobile-first technology solutions for the global airline industry. Visit www.sellpointmobile.com slash voyage-aw to learn about Voyage, their branded configurable booking engine designed specifically for your airline and the needs of your passengers. Again, that's www.sellpointmobile.com slash voyage-aw. All right, turning from Asia to troubles in Turkey. Of course, this country has had its share of crises in recent years. But just when you thought things were getting better, its currency is collapsing. Set that sounds catastrophic for Turkish airlines, but it's not that simple, is it? It's not. Uh, yeah, a rare
0: airline in this regard, because most airlines get... The preponderance, at least the uh, plurality, let's say, of their revenue exposure in their local currency. Uh, so, you know, at one extreme, let's say a U.S. carrier is going to get far more revenue in, in U.S. dollars than in in any other currency. European carriers, you know, uh, of course, very exposed to uh, to to the euro or, or to the the British pound. Uh, you know, as well as to the U.S. dollar, so in in Turkish's case, um, only fourteen percent of its revenues are in its local currency, uh, the the Turkish lira, and what's unusual about that too is that you know there there are a few other airlines around the world. Well, I mean, we talked about one earlier, Cathay Pacific, right? Uh, the Gulf carriers, Singapore Airlines, you know that, that tend to get a lot of their revenues in other currencies, but that's because they don't have domestic markets. Um, whereas you know Turkey is is, is a big country of what almost 80 million people and uh and you know lots of lots of domestic destinations and yet uh turkish airlines has so much sixth freedom traffic you know people can just connecting in turkey and and uh you know originating somewhere else paying in some other currency uh as well as inbound traffic tourism to turkey that when you add it all up yeah not a lot of uh turkish lira exposure as I said 14% of its revenues and what matters is the differential between that number at fourteen percent and the percentage of of its costs that are in Turkish lira, which in its case twenty six percent of its costs are in lira. You know when not too much of your revenue is in a weak currency. Weak currency is bad for revenues generally, uh, and a higher percentage of your costs are in a weak currency. That's actually helpful. So again, if you think about you know i don't know an airline like gol in brazil where by far the majority of its revenues are in brazilian reais and its costs you know fuel domin- denominated in us dollars uh you know aircraft in us dollars you know that that's that's really difficult in turkish's case it has uh it, i mean basically a lot of employees uh based in turkey Whose salaries are in lira, and that's what helps it achieve that, uh, that differential. Now, again, I said 26% of its costs are in lira. That means 74% of its costs aren't, but what's relevant is the differential, not the fact that three quarters of his his costs are in stronger currencies, which, you know, everything looks more expensive, but the fact that, uh, that even more than that, uh, an even higher percentage of its revenues are in those, uh, those stronger currencies and so yeah add it all up and um and and this is an airline that got up to an 8% margin for the second quarter that was up from a 5% margin a year earlier so so yeah doing um rather well uh especially considering everything that Turkish came through in in the past few years you know thanks of course to to also rebounding tourism in into uh, in, into Turkey.
1: It sounds like Turkish could have one of the most interesting earnings reports in the third quarter as well yeah I mean look the third quarter for Turkish is
0: you know I don't want to say the whole ball game but that's uh yeah let's let's uh, in fact let's see last year's third quarter 25 percent margin. For the quarter uh, on route to uh, just a 7% margin for the whole year last year. Now, this year, we've seen these year-over-year improvements, uh, eventually you know, 8%. Just this past second quarter, rolled up to five percent a year earlier. Uh, it's going to do better than seven percent this year. Two thousand seventeen started out very badly, and it managed to, to be profitable nonetheless. But yeah, let's watch the third quarter because if it can get that operating margin somewhere up near you know thirty percent, really run up the score in the third quarter, and you put that together with uh you know with with a, a first and second quarter that were better uh, than the comparable quarters a year earlier, and a fourth quarter that although. It's it's not going to be a hugely profitable uh, quarter. You know that if things don't deteriorate, that will also, um, you know, perhaps be an improvement. It's going to get harder at some point here. To you know, the 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 comparisons will get tougher because you'll get more than a year beyond uh, the worst of it. But um, uh, but no, this 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 is an airline that uh, you know, unlike most, seems well positioned to have a better 2018 uh, than 2017.
1: One airline that's somewhat similar to Turkish is Ethiopian Airlines, and their growing fleet recently crossed the 100-plane milestone. They also had a fairly profitable fiscal year, which ended in June.
0: Yeah, $252 million net profit on uh, $3.3 billion in revenue. That's, that's good for about an 8% net margin, 8% net. Um, they don't report comprehensive results like other airlines around the world. They're government-owned, fully government-owned uh and and I should say they're not entirely independently audited uh but that said there, there's no reason to to particularly doubt the results they report just that we don't get the same level of detail that that we do about uh, about other airlines and you know we just can't verify things the way we can with other airlines but uh but yeah no this is this is uh this is the shining star of sub-Saharan Africa, Kenya Airways certainly has has come back from the abyss. But this is the biggest, many regards, in all of sub-Saharan Africa. Even uh, counting South African Airways, which was always you know the the biggest, if you know, if, if not certainly the uh, uh, the most successful. This is an airline, as you said, the, the, you know, like Turkish in terms of the connecting traffic, uh, just really well positioned to to uh, to serve a lot of uh, connecting traffic flows. Within Africa, you know, where there's just a, a lack of service in a lot of markets, you know, between Africa and other places, and in some cases, you know, as a stopping point in Africa between um, two external uh, locations, its uh, revenues up forty three percent last fiscal year, according to uh, its CEO speaking at a recent uh, Routes conference. Annual capacity growing you know, 30 percent. The airport, by the way, in Addis Ababa is uh, is about to open expanded. Uh, terminal facilities that's been an issue there uh that's that's so many places throughout africa facilities constraints that's going to get better and uh ethiopia just as as an economy has a lot of reason for optimism uh a, a liberalizing political situation there now on on far better terms i mean it's all very recent but uh seemingly far better terms with its neighbor eritrea you had these you know these two economies right next door to each other it didn't you know, basically, didn't trade with each other. This is an airline that is is, is that has become rather large, and by all external appearances, just a very well managed airline. Uh, uh, the CEO saying in the, at the at the same conference uh, that a key here is that they're given total management freedom. You know, government owned, but they can do what they need to do to uh, to run the airline. And I think a lot of times, you know, sometimes people maybe simplifying their minds they think you know government owned airline can't can't be as efficient as a as, as a private airline and you know really look around the world and where these airlines are, are just given commercial freedom you know there's no reason they they, they can't do as well as as uh, Ethiopian by all appearances is doing
1: okay it's good to hear about Ethiopian because the last thing i need is another airline to worry about but we might just to have exactly that in Iceland Air. Yeah. Here's an airline that was killing it not too long ago. I think we used to compare them to Copa even, but nonetheless, they're struggling despite a booming transatlantic market.
0: Yeah, we had that cover story several years ago. I think the headline was "Cold Weather Copa." Not anymore, uh, it, it, you know. So we're looking at a what a a negative five percent uh, second quarter operating. I was going to say operating profit, operating result. Obviously, not a profit. Um, and if you just look at the quarter, that quarter, at second quarter for the past several years, you know that was that was ten percent positive. Ten percent. I mean, the third quarter is always their best, but you know, just a few years ago, they were at ten percent for the second quarter. The nine percent positive, nine percent. Uh, you know, last year, three percent again positive, still in the black. And this year, uh, that negative five percent. You, you know, an airline that's that's clearly very much going in the wrong direction. Uh, fuel, of course, more expensive for them like it was for just about everybody. In their case, uh, spiked 28%. Um, the labor costs also up significantly. So you had a 17% increase in in costs versus a just a 9% increase in revenues, all that on, on a 7% increase in, in the capacity, by the way. Management had been hopeful that with rising fuel costs... Uh, that would trickle down to airfares and and uh you know push up yields that, that just didn't happen uh because in the end there was just uh, too much supply in, in the market uh and, and yeah you mentioned it jason um you know a, a strong transatlantic market overall but you drill down and look at iceland and look Iceland's a great place i've been there a couple of times i love it the world has discovered iceland now partly thanks to all this uh this new capacity but looking at do uh schedule date i just pull here just just this month weekly seats and asms this month compared to five years ago counting all airlines iceland itself as well as wow air and all the uh other airlines around the world uh seats are up uh 117 percent compared to five years ago and and then you know ASK's, uh, our, our ASK capacity up 167%. And needless to say, that's not, you know, the economy hasn't grown 167%. So, again, back to how we started the show supply and demand, you know, demand is there. People are happy to go to Iceland, but uh, the the supply has just vastly uh, outpaced it. We compared it in our issue to, uh, the uh, to, to Israel in some regards, uh, just a, an economy where just tourism is booming, but the local airline, El Al, uh, you know, really isn't, I think I already said this in another context, but enjoying the party. Uh, and that is very much Iceland. air's case a tourism boom, but really a uh, the, the, the financial bust for Iceland air. So, um, you know, we'll see here how this all, uh, this all shakes out. There were local press reports that wow air is looking for investors, you know, Wow Air clearly a much lower cost carrier than Iceland Air, but also just as surely a lower revenue carrier. Uh, their results are private; They're, they they don't trade and they don't uh, you know publish results. But but uh, you know they they too uh, seem to be feeling the pinch. Let's see, because one thing I'm certain of is that you don't need three airlines flying between Dallas Fort Worth and Reykjavik. Uh, you know, to give to give one example. Um, by the way. Icelandair, I mentioned it. You know, you asked me, you know, about Turkish's third quarter. How interesting that'll be. This is an airline whose third quarter is as pivotal as any. They, they even despite everything that was already pressuring them, they notched a twenty four percent third quarter operating margin last year. Uh, you know, looking at the deterioration in the second quarter, what's that going to project to for this year's third quarter? And that's going to be a uh, a very important figure in terms of. Uh, telling us how the, how the year is going to end up looking precisely, but at least in general terms, we already know the answer. It's not going to be good.
1: In the US, where everything seems to be good right now, JetBlue is raising its bag fees from $25 to 30 in a normal business, a simple pricing increase wouldn't be that big of a deal, but this is the airline business, and this is interesting for a couple of reasons. First, JetBlue is the first carrier, to, first carrier to go beyond the arbitrary fee of $25, which the other U.S. carriers seem to have lined up behind over time. Second, JetBlue used to be an airline that was reluctant to charge for bags. Now they seem to be getting into it.
0: Yeah. Interesting. The last one really to go along with the bag fees at all of those that do it, you know, Southwest still doesn't, but of those that do it, JetBlue was, was most reluctant and now they've become the first, as you said, to, uh, to go up to, uh, to $30. And yeah, it's one of those things that it, it's funny how, um, certain, uh, you know, price points. I mean, airfares go up and down all the time, but it's kind of like I remember when the you know, the McDonald's had the dollar menu and then, and, 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 and that I don't analyze the fast food industry like I do the airline industry, but from what I gather, reading other press reports, that became a problem for them because you know you have inflation and you just want to be able to vary things, but you know you but, but you know the the dollar and seven cents menu doesn't have the same you know, ring to it as the dollar menu, right? And so here you have bag fees which have been twenty five dollars for. You know, basically a decade now since since most airlines started charging for bags. So, in inflation adjusted terms, they've gone down. Uh, and, and here's JetBlue going to thirty. Now, big caveat: Jet th- these are the fees that JetBlue charges when you don't buy a fare that includes uh, a bag. So, what's different about JetBlue from most other uh, airlines is, is that they offer uh, they they have fare families like most airlines. And they they offer one kind of right next to the first fair where it it the main difference is that it includes a bag. Uh, they have their blue and then their blue plus, and blue plus includes the bag. And the difference between blue and blue plus, and I was I just was just here looking uh, right now. I'm just a couple markets I'm looking at. It looks like it's twenty four twenty five dollars is the difference there. So. Uh, so in a sense, what they're doing is they're saying, you know, the, the walk up, if you wait until the, th- until after you book to add a bag, now you're going to pay 30. But you can still fly for a difference of, uh, of, of, of just 25 if you do it at t- the time you book. At the risk of complicating things even more, I should say that's tricky to do if you have two people traveling together and you want to check just one bag. Because if you do it in the fair, then unless you book on two separate records both people are going to have to pay the higher fare and that's not going to work out for you, then you should just check a bag. Or uh, if you're really industrious and you want to book two records to save the five bucks, you could do it that way.
1: All right. Speaking of bags, let's (laughs) bag this episode. As always, if you like the show, share it with your colleagues. They can subscribe to the Airline Weekly Lounge through iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever they get their podcasts. They can also subscribe at airlineweekly.com. For Seth Kaplan, I'm Jason Cottrell. Thanks for spending some time with us.
0: This episode was sponsored by CellPoint Mobile. Just as long as you don't see me with a paper bag over my face after one of these episodes, you'll get know, okay. This episode was sponsored by CellPoint Mobile.